0: Craftsman, episode two. Dwayne. David. So we just watched um, the second episode of The Craftsman uh, with Eric Hollenbeck. Yes. Um, Still one of my favorite people on the planet. Undoubtedly. And in this episode, he was... Uh, Well, they they told some of his life story and then they also showed a couple of the projects that he's working on. Yeah. And uh, really showed some things about his character and sort of his philosophy in woodworking. Yeah. Um, Which I know you've been a woodworker for many, many years. Yes. And I'm just interested, how did this resonate with you?
1: I could I could feel it uh-huh. I when he when he was talking I could I could feel it he talked about the the wood having having a life and yeah. uh you know kind of you're a you're a steward of it um once it leaves the tree the uh-huh. tree was perfect and and I think he even said we're never going to reach that perfection again I thought
0: that was interesting yeah
1: I, in um
0: it shows the way his mind works because he said the tree was perfect. Yeah. We'll never achieve that. Right. Which a lot of times when you hear a craftsman uh, talk, they sort of imply, well, I got this raw material. And fortunately I made something nice out of it. (laughs) And he's completely, you know, the other way around. Yeah. Um, And in this episode, he's standing there in that redwood forest and he's picking up, these um are are they needles are they leaves i don't know what what you would classify that on on a redwood but but he showed that there's basically three different levels
1: yeah on that tree three ecosystems yeah that are present because they're so tall Mm -hmm. he said it is it is physically impossible for them to pump water out of the ground to the top of the tree. Yeah, so, th- so the ones on the bottom,
0: um, they focus on photosynthesis. I believe so. And then in the middle, it was more about catching, uh f- well, there was some photosynthesis and then some just yeah. the fog.
1: Yeah, it pulled moisture out of the air. Yeah, and then at the very top, it was just pulling moisture out of the air. Yeah, catching rainwater. Right, which is fascinating
0: because, one, you get this, Interesting lesson about redwoods, but also here's a guy who's a woodworker and he has, um, dove so deep into that subject. He cares about that. Yeah. Like he's, he's studied the whole, you know, how these trees work. Um, and he made the point that someone had asked him, um, how can you care about these trees so much and still build things out of trees yeah still cut them down right
1: to make things
0: and i thought he made a good point which is you know everything on this earth is alive because something died
1: yeah yeah he's a he's a deep thinker he is you know that that's that takes some 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 kind of time and thought Mm-hmm. To realize that, yeah, all of us are here because you know our our food had to die, whether mm. it was animal based or plant based, exactly something had to die, yeah, in order to give us nutrient,
0: yeah. And uh, but but he almost has, um, I don't know, I, I would think of uh, the Native American approach to whenever they would kill an animal, there was a lot of reverence towards that animal yeah and and almost a prayer for that animal and and this right. giving thanks yeah respect for the
1: spirit of
0: of the animal right and it seems like he has that same thing uh when it comes to woodworking and these redwoods yeah and all
1: this reverence for them yeah you know yeah well that that carried throughout throughout this episode too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they brought uh doors from a church yeah. designed by. Uh,
0: it it was the first female architect on the west coast. Yeah. Uh, that worked on the Hearst Castle. Yes. I cannot think of her
1: I name wanna, right now. I may butcher it, but I thought it was Julia Moran, Mar, Mariah. Uh, something. Yeah, we'll we'll put a link in yeah, the we'll description to, to we'll the have actual show. Out. Yeah, but uh, yeah. She designed these doors that were he said regular doors are are inch and three quarter heavy doors are inch and three quarter yeah, and these were two and three sixteenths I think yeah. just massively thick, right, but when you looked at them head on the the styles around the the outside kind of the frame of the door uh-huh. were very were very thin uh-huh. compared to to modern day doors Uh uh, kind of not spindly, but just thin line. And uh, these, these doors had a big sheet of glass in them. Yeah. And they were so thick that I, I don't even know what they would weigh. They've got to be a couple hundred pounds. I would think so.
0: Yeah. Because just looking at the hinges, I know a little bit about hinges. Yeah. And those were some big brass hinges. Yeah. Uh, like with an offset. Uh-huh. And I thought it was interesting. You know, part of the reason they were able to make that door look so light uh, is because they made them so thick. Right. You, you have to have a certain amount of real estate. Yeah. Um, Framework-wise. Yeah. To be able to support that glass and all these other things. And so the way she achieved that was to, to give this very light and open look f- from head on. Yeah. But it was concealed by how much there was in depth. And that's why the doors were so thick.
1: Yeah, it was it was a genius move on her part. Yeah. Uh, absolutely.
0: And it, I just thought it was fascinating that the effort that he went to to take these doors apart and preserve the hardware yeah both the hinges and the i guess today we call it a cane bolt or you know it was concealed in the door to lock one side right into the fixed position and he made reference which i had no idea that he went to japan to (laughs) rebuild to help rebuild a pavilion or a pagoda
1: um was it rebuild or did he construct it and go over there to erect it. Maybe he did. Yeah, I, 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 I heard
0: I, that part, but then I was lost in his description afterwards. Yeah, whenever he described, over there they have a schedule that every ten years, the way they maintain things is they replace only the things that need to be replaced, mm-hmm. so that the spirit of
1: that building stays. Yeah. Intact. Yeah. I think he was referring to temples. Yes. Temples that he had, yeah. he had looked at. Yeah. I I find that interesting too. Well, there's several things in that that are interesting. One, that they brought this American fella to yeah. Japan where there are some amazing. Some of the best in the world. Craftsmen that, uh-huh. that you will find in the world. And they brought him over. Uh-huh. To build a gazebo, or yeah. to restore a, a what we would call a gazebo here, right? Uh, just th- that blows my mind. That here in the U.S. in the states, you can find a guy that will build a gazebo everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. A, Craigslist probably yeah. has four
0: of them. You're right, right now, and some of them will actually build a gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, well. And, and it was in that description where he was talking about the reason that they only replace a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, it harkened back to with these doors. Um, he was saying they need to be rebuilt, but we don't want to just completely rebuild the doors and throw all of the hardware away and all of the glass away right. and all of the mechanism. They saved all of that and reconditioned it. In in his words, he was like, this is the way that the spirit of these doors will continue on. Will remain. Yeah. yeah. Rather than just having everything machined, brand new, and putting yeah. it in. Um, he still adhered to that idea that he first saw yeah. in Japan, which I thought was interesting, too, because that's part of his journey is going through life and picking these things up. Yeah. Um." he obviously takes those and says, you know what, that, that makes sense. This is restoration. This is, you know. Yeah. Um, And I believe this building and this architect um, were on the historic register. Uh, And so that's part of the reason everything had to be done perfectly. They even had to, I think the wood that they used on the doors was sourced from an old water tower.
1: Yeah. From the, Frame, I believe, yeah. under under the water tower. It's the only piece that they could find that was big that enough, thick, and yeah. that thick to make those pieces out of.
0: Yeah, because typically, I guess they just don't mill uh, redwood in that thickness. Right.
1: Yeah. So it was reclaimed. They had to basically plane off the the silver wood, the weathered wood, Right. Off the edges to get down to the the heartwood, down to the good wood in mm-hmm. the middle of it.
0: Uh-huh. Is it, yeah the the whole thing was and, and he was also running another project in the background, which was guttering
1: for a house. not just any guttering, but wooden, yeah, guttering because the the historical society or the whatever was governing the restoration of these Victorian houses said we cannot have metal guttering on this yeah. house won't allow it exactly, so we had to recreate they sent him a it looked like a six inch piece of a of uh-huh. an old gutter uh-huh. that he um made the knives for in his shaper and and ran ran that profile yeah. on this new piece
0: and and they showed how the um the knives as they went around a radius they left a small edge yeah it scored a scored yeah. a line in it and uh, he was completely not flustered by it. He said it's not a problem. And he pulls out a true hand plane yeah, huh. and just playing that off and just made it look perfect. Yeah. Cause, because he actually knows how to do that. He, he, You know what I mean? Versus someone that just runs a machine and goes, I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. He always they, has an answer. Yeah. Others would sand it off or right. file it off or Try and hide it, right? You know, somewhere else, and and he knew.
0: That's a really good point. They they would sand it off nowadays, yeah, because it's just faster, it's easier, it's whatever, yeah. But to actually take a a, a knife plane and shave that off, um, he, he's just classy. Yes, you know, he
1: certainly is. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. What was what was your reaction whenever he was talking about in, in one section of this? uh, He talked about how he spent, it was over 300 days in Vietnam in the jungle. Yeah. yeah. Uh And then he tells the story about whenever he came back. What,
1: what did that, what was your reaction to it? I, I'm not going to lie. It was emotional. Yeah. It was, it was tough because he got, choked up in the middle of he the telling the story mm-hmm. and I'm not going to ruin it by by reciting what what he said but it was basically the the redwoods were in his mind when he was over there even mm-hmm. in the middle of the jungle he was, said I thought about my trees yeah he did use referring that. to the yeah. to the redwoods and, and when he came back he had a chance to go to go be with them again and it just it was powerful it was and, and, and you
0: could tell he wasn't just reciting a story that he no. was really good at telling no you felt like he was um uh bearing his soul a little bit you know whenever he was telling that story cuz like you said he did he got choked up yeah um yeah i every when i watched that every fiber of my being i was just like uh you you yeah. you could tell um that he was he was truly passionate about that and just it was it was like it had w- it just happened yesterday yeah the the way he tells that story and I'm the same as you i'm not gonna butcher it and try and tell that story <laughs> because he nobody can do it better than he can right um but he was just uh so sincere about it and um You know, obviously, that was a a part of his life that it probably could have gone a couple different ways, but he came back and he decided that he was going to um, pour himself into what he does, right? You know, rather than than take a different path. Um, So yeah, he's just—I don't know. Highly recommend anyone if you have, and we were talking about this. Twenty-four minutes, yeah. per episode.
1: Yeah, that was the the weird thing is these episodes are only somewhere between twenty and thirty minutes. This one was yeah. was spot on twenty-four, but we got done and and both of us kind of looked at our watches like it. Surely this is wrong because you, it kind of takes you out of of reality and it, and it puts you in a space of it. Well, I don't know about you, but. Dave and I, it, it kind of removes us from, from where we're, where we're at and yeah. transports us there. And you're in that, that state of mind of, yeah. of him just telling stories and, and doing what he does. And it, I don't know, you, you it's easy to lose track of time yeah, and it's easy to get lost in it. So 24 minutes felt like hours, it, like it, an hour or two. It, it, it did feel longer, but yeah. then,
0: you know, like I told you, I was like, I would gladly just let it roll right into the next episode. Yeah, it's hard to, yeah. to stop. Yeah. But he, yeah, there, there's just something about how um, also the way it's shot because they show him getting in his van and going from one place to another, trying yeah. to find this wood before they were able to source it mm-hmm. from a water tower. Um, but he knew – that it had to be perfect. He couldn't just use anything that was close. He had to use the best material for um, the project with the doors, you know? Um, He's just, it seems like he does
1: everything right. It does. (laughs) Yeah. It does. He's, he's super focused on, on doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, (laughs) it it showed a, a scene of him in his office watching a, a train go around the room and he's just fascinated yeah. by it. Like, like childlike. Yeah. Like yeah. laughing and, and kind of giddy about it, different things about it. And it's just, I don't know to be, to be that in tune with yourself that you can, especially at, oh Gosh, what, how old do you think he is? 70,
0: Mid late seventies, late seventies. I think late seventies. Yeah
1: to be that dialed in on your craft that you know that you're still in tune enough to know all the all the steps everything that needs to happen to make it come together just spot on and to still be able to stop and just appreciate something as simple as a as a, a train mm-hmm. you know he had the track around the around the top section of his office that went around or someone's office and to find pleasure in that. It's probably been there for 20 years. Look like it, but to still stop and enjoy that. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Respect that.
0: And I'm still fascinated by his, like the, the whole setup that he has there. Um, it's at least two or three buildings. Yeah. Right. And they look like they're all on stilts. Yeah because it almost looks like it's right there on the edge of the ocean. Yeah. Uh, like almost tidal, <laughs> Almost. All. Yeah. Um, and they're like, they're not all pristine. Absolutely not. You can see, you know, the, the metal roofing and, and they had some shots where the rain was coming in and yeah, he just could, could not care less. Um, he was just in his own world and doing his thing. Yeah. And that main shop that he's always in is just amazing. Like it has did you see some of the trim work that was like spanning across oh my one gosh. area? Yes. And all of the tools and the it just I know you and I have talked about it. That place must smell amazing. It has to. With all of the um the sawdust and the machines and the yeah. it just I can't imagine um you it know, would, he's
1: it yeah. would take me a week just to walk through that yeah. one building. Yeah. Because there's not only detail of examples he's done or projects that he's worked on or remnants or but the tooling that's just everywhere. Yeah. And it's it's not at eye level. It goes from the floor to the, to ceiling. the rafters. Yeah. And it's just packed full of, of, uh, of content and things to catch your eye and things to look at and things that, you know, rusty old tools fascinate me anyway. Uh And he's got, not rusty, but, but worn and and used tools that are just stuff that you don't see every day, Uh Uh you know, certainly not at the, at the big box stores that we frequent often. They're not. Yeah. None of that stuff is, is there. No.
0: no. And the, I believe it's in a separate building. He refers to as the blacksmith shop where he had his anvil and tongs and he was using a torch to heat that brass hinge that he was rebuilding (coughs) for the, um, for the doors. Yeah. And, um, it, it was, for me, I've worked with brass before, and whenever you heat brass, there's this risk that you'll take it to a point where it actually just starts to disintegrate. Yeah, and it's no longer brass <laughs> right. because it'll separate <laughs> into its, its elements. Uh, and so, you know, he was he was working with this and trying to heat it just enough so that he could break it free and. Um, he's obviously knowledgeable because he even pointed out, he said, you see that where it's starting to sweat. Yeah. You know, if we had heated it much more, it would have come apart. And so he's obviously got experience in how to work with these materials and and taking it, you know, kind of right there to the edge. But it was important to him that he saved the hardware because it had to go back on the door because that's right. You know, part of keeping that whole thing together. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it just in in that blacksmith shop. I would love to walk around in that because you know that if you had if you had a cup of coffee, and two or three hours of his time, anything that you pointed at, he could tell you a story about.
1: Yeah, probably the origin. Yeah, and its journey, yeah. and where you know who used it. Uh, he has so much detail about everything. There was. It was the machine that he used, um, the joiner. To cut the tenons? Yes. Or was it,
0: am I saying the wrong word for that? Was it, what's the name of that machine um, that made
1: the tenons? I think he called it a tenon machine. Did he? And then okay. there's the, the mortise machine that cut the pocket. That's right. Okay. Uh-oh. So that machine... That
0: had the exposed knives on it with no shroud on it or anything. Yeah. I don't think OSHA frequents his uh, shot. They shouldn't. I don't believe that. Just let that guy do his thing. Um, He made the comment, and I was waiting for it. He goes, this is one of the oldest machines we have. Yeah. And I was sort of like, and? <laughs> and he never says how old it is. I didn't saw that, too. But right in now. the other episode, he's got something from, like, 1890. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, Well, how old is that one?
1: Yeah. You know, but he's still he's using it. Oldest mechanical. Oh, machine. okay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there's some pedal powered and yeah. powered things that I believe are much older, but that was the oldest mechanical.
0: I'd still like to know how old that is. Yeah.
1: So it it did run on electricity. It did. So it wasn't too 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 old. Right. But still,
0: but, uh, but yeah, you wouldn't um, – there there are a few places you could get tangled up in that machine if you weren't uh, paying attention, yeah. but uh, obviously he knows what he's doing. I think one of the characters in this whole um, uh, series is the shop itself, yeah. for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like I wish they just had um, a way that you could take a virtual tour of that shop. Yeah. And just look at all the things that it has and all the machines and uh it's just, I'm just completely fascinated by shops like that. What would you ask him if you had if you could eat lunch with him? If you could have a cup of coffee with him. What questions would you ask him?
1: Man, that's i'd have to think hard on that one there's so many so many yeah you know i i don't know if if i could if i could limit it to to just a few questions yeah you know i'd want to know i'd want to know about uh about his childhood, if he had any interest in in the woodworking when he was younger or fat started when he was a logger. Mm-hmm. I'd want to know um, you know how much time he spent in the redwood forest as a kid. Right. It's got to be close to where where he's at. Yeah, I haven't looked at a map on where Eureka is but I imagine it's close to the Redwoods.
0: He referred to Eureka as being part of the Redwood curtain.
1: Oh, okay. So, so yeah, yeah, it must be right there on the fringe. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I, I'd want to just walk around his shop and just see, huh, just kind of see where his memories took him. Mm-hmm. You know, ask questions about certain things, certain odd things. That something that would look out of place, a tool that wasn't the norm to have in a wood shop, oh. you know just to find something that that he found a use for that wasn't common and to see just see how his mind works right That's a good question though what what would, uh what do you think you would ask him?
0: I've had the opportunity to ask questions to some people before in the past, yeah that I look up to. And sort of my go-to uh, that I've asked before is if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself just three pieces of advice, what would that be? If you had to distill down everything, almost principles. Yeah, you know. Yeah, what what would you tell your younger self? And. You know, he, he's made uh, references to – he's been through hard times. Yeah. He's been through um, transitions. You know, he was doing one thing. and then he, I mean, obviously, he started out as a logger, and now he does dream yeah. work. And in the last episode, he said it's only in the last 10 years we've started charging what we're worth. Yeah. That means until the age of 60-something – he wasn't charging what he now knows to be his worth. Right. So I would like to know, how did you make that transition? Yeah. You know, and, um. yeah. What, and when you do go through transitions,
1: how do you handle that? You know, he, well, he, he go ahead. Not to interrupt you, but he kind of talked about, Doors being portals to another space, yeah. And he was like, "We've I think he he named his wife and said, you know, she says that we're, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, but we're a a company um, built on closed doors. Yes, like yeah. they, you know, they've tried to go one way and a door closed, but that closed door opened up an opportunity in another direction. Right. So I'd kind of like to know about those. I would too. About the failures. Yeah. You know, because there's a there's a lot of growth that comes out of failing.
0: Absolutely. If you learn from it. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, he's. Yeah. He's he learned. Has. Yeah. Yeah. I huh. I think that's the biggest thing is he's obviously been through a lot of transitions. I would like to know how he navigates those. Yeah. And then also, what were the things that made him decide to take? the paths that he inevitably took yeah you know um was it did it make financial sense um was it passion yeah was it something he just believed in like at his core um and also you know how how does he conduct his business In such a way that allows it to, um, foster more work in the future. Yeah. You know, because I think you have to, um, you have to choose your jobs carefully. You have to choose who you work with. Um, and you also have to, to know when to say no or when to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And my guess is he's done some of that too to get to where he's at. Rather than just follow someone holding out money.
1: You've obviously put a little more thought into it than I have.
0: Not really. No, these are just things that keep me awake at night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I think those are those would be great questions to ask. So do you ever see yourself going to to California? And seeking out his his business just to to meet him just to shake his hand or to take a tour or i I would not be so bold as to show
0: up unannounced uh, but if there were a way that I could do it so that I was not uh encroaching or disrupting something that he's got going on, one hundred percent yeah yeah i mean there, there's just so much knowledge that a person like that has and so much experience and he made a point and this goes back to part of the story that he was telling um from one transition to another in his life he said people say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and he's a deep thinker he said you know maybe people mean physically and Maybe some of that's true, but I think it gives you empathy. Yeah, which is not what I expected him to say.
1: Uh, no, I, I didn't expect him to say that either. I expected him to talk about a hardship or or, yeah. or something else that took him in a in a direction. But yeah, the empathy.
0: What does that mean to you? Something that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And the way it makes you stronger is by giving you empathy.
1: I, I think I'm still processing that. I'm not sure how to, uh, how to put a read on that.
0: I think he's a person
1: that obviously has spent
0: a lot of time thinking and in a healthy way, he doesn't seem to harbor a lot of resentment. He doesn't seem to be an angry or grumpy old man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be able to find joy in life, has a good relationship with his family yeah. and with his, uh, his workers, and uh, I think all of those things stem from empathy. I think if you're not empathetic, it's easy to um, fly off the handle and or to be selfish about the things that you have to do, yeah, you know empathy is like a underappreciated um, skill
1: or intelligence. It is.
0: You're not buying it.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Like I say, I'm still still processing it. Yeah i I think some of that is rooted in in who you are. I don't know if it's necessarily built out of hardship it maybe it's uh amplified by hardship by hardship yeah but i don't know if it's if it's built do you is it built or is it something you grow into well if it's something you grow into then it's something that you have to begin with so you think some people well I I would
0: agree with you some people don't have empathy they're called sociopaths
1: <laughs> Yeah yeah I don't know I, there's a lot of factors in there that besides the hardship yeah you know the the way you deal with with hardship can certainly enhance or uh, I mean hardship can tear some people apart certainly it it doesn't it doesn't build empathy at all. Yeah, it just makes you bitter. Yeah, so I, I think that's that's why I'm having an issue with it. The right, but, but he's managed to not do that. Agreed. Agreed. He's managed it. I don't know if I want to say it correctly, but I say well. Yeah. Well,
0: that's one of the questions I would ask him, <laughs> Beca- because I see your point, which is. Uh, my response somewhat pithy uh, whenever someone says um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I usually say, have you ever seen someone who's been attacked by a bear that cause they usually don't look stronger as
1: much as in tune as I was while he was talking. I heard those words <laughs> in my head. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I chuckled slightly. Yeah.
0: Because I, people say it all the time yeah. and i'm like mm, you know but but that's part of what took me about his answer because his answer went in a totally different direction which is Dude. gives you empathy i mean he's obviously a thinker yeah and and i think that um if you manage your time when you are learning a craft, when you are doing a craft. The underappreciated thing about craftspeople, depending on how they use their time, is they've often had a lot of times to sit and think while their hands are doing something. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're just listening to their favorite music or whatever. Yeah. It's sort of um you have a lot of time to think or to contemplate like reflect, one of, Yeah, certainly, you know, there are plenty of times where I've been working where the day's gone and I sort of realize, Oh yeah, well I did do this stuff, but I've been somewhere <laughs> way far away in my own head. Yeah. Um, working through, uh, or trying to solve a problem mm-hmm. or just sort of going down memory lane mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know that, that all, or I don't know that many other professions afford you that sort of headspace, um, where your, your hands know what to do. You've done it a thousand times. Yeah. And so it's almost like a meditative state that you get in so that you can still perform the task but there's a certain part of your brain that's able to just sort of go somewhere else yeah, and live there.
1: Yeah. I I know exactly what you're talking about. It happens to me quite often. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's almost a meditative state. I think it is. Because you, nine times out of 10, you can come to a, a conclusion or you can figure out a problem or you can figure out a direction or, you know, you feel like you've not only accomplished something physically, but you almost feel like you've accomplished something mentally uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. So there's a, maybe a double dopamine hit that comes along with that. They're pro- Yeah. That's a good point yeah.
0: because that's certainly what a lot of people that work with their hams, part of what they're chasing is that dopamine that you get from a job that's completed. Yeah. You like that feedback loop. Right. You know? Um, and I think that's really interesting. And that's part of the reason that the Venn diagram of craftsmen and then people that have these other behaviors that aren't necessarily good for them. Yeah. We were having a conversation earlier about, um, I've had the opportunity to, to work with a lot of different craftsmen. Some of them are absolutely brilliant, but they're not high-functioning in every other part of their life Yeah, because they chase that dopamine all the time. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes that takes them to a bad place. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, finding someone who is um, – who's accomplished and has obviously made a lot of good life choices is
1: is nice
0: because <laughs> that's you don't
1: see that all the time. Y- you don't. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, the balanced individual. Yeah. Is elusive.
0: It is. It is. But that's why he's one of my favorite people
1: ever. <laughs> He is uh, he is entertaining and interesting, and I I appreciate the depth to him as well. Yeah, it, it, it's not a not a one trick pony. Yeah,
0: I mean he's spoken in front of Congress. He's been to Japan. Yeah, he's there's no he's been a mentor mm-hmm. for a lot of junior high high school age yeah. students. Um, everybody in his town knows who he is. Yeah. People who have historic buildings, they seek him out, they call him, you know, he's obviously established himself and has a reputation for doing, um, doing good work, but also doing right by people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those are two separate things.
0: They are as well. And they don't always overlap. They don't. And that's where he's just he's exceptional, solid. Yeah. Well, I think like I said, I will probably go watch another episode <laughs> later because it's just 20 something minutes and you're you're just for me I'm transported like yeah. I'm just sitting there. That's how well it's done. Uh it's just um it's just a really good show. Yeah. It's something you can watch with everyone.
1: It is family friendly. Yeah. And there's two seasons? I believe there's at least two. At least two.
0: I hope that there's three. Yeah. Um and uh I think there's actually a special that he did uh not too long ago. Okay. Yeah. So um He's obviously, he's doing well off of this, and he should.
1: He absolutely should. Yeah.
0: Um, But, yeah, there there are many more episodes to come. Perfect. Is that where we leave it, Dwayne? I believe it is. Awesome. All right. Well, until next time. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you.